Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. And I'm Evan Novi williams and this is the What Happens in Vegas Stays in Vegas sports business podcast, The Sportacast. All right, we're talking with Joe Maloof, a part owner of the Vegas Golden Knights. And Joe, every episode, I kind of rate Evan's opening <laughs> after I say my name. Like what happens in Vegas State? It's cliche. It's tired. <laughs> you chuckled, Joe, but I, were you chuckling at how bad it was or were you chuckling because <laughs> yeah, you liked it? No, that's old news. That's saying yesterday's newspaper. Everything old Vegas. Yeah. Today's time. All right. So you know what? Now I like to put a little pressure on the guest, Joe. We're going to do it again, and you're going to be the one who comes up with the line. All right? See, they think it's easy, but here, I'm going to do it right now. you got to come up with the line. Come in. Three, two, one. Hello, I'm the Scott Soshnick. The greatest city in the world, Las Vegas. All right. there, The there greatest city went a little, put it up in lights. But, Joe, you and I have known each other a very long time, dating back to the mm-hmm. Kings days. And I remember being, you know, with David Stern. I remember Oscar Goodman coming to our old headquarters with showgirls trying to bring sports to Las Vegas. You guys are like the sports capital. I can't even remember when Vegas wasn't a sports town. Give me the insider look at sort of the campaign and like what it has become. Well, you want me to go back to to where the hell the Knights got here? In Las Vegas, you want me to? Yeah, go. Yeah, go. You you were first, man. You guys laid yeah, the groundwork. Go for it. My brother. Well, when we sold the Kings, uh, you know, it was it was tough to do that. It really was. You know, it's like um, nothing I've ever done before. I was I was sad. I'll have to admit it. It, it hurt. I love the Kings. Still do. I root for them. You know, but um, I love the NBA. It was great. But anyway, when we were. Uh, meeting with the Board of Governors in New York to sell the Kings. We, there was a meeting there. We were, Gavin and I flew to New York, and I told Gavin, and Gavin had been uh, an advocate of this for many years, that, that Las Vegas needed its own team because we were rooting for every other team or whatever, you know, that nobody, but there was a, enough population here and enough interest to have our own team here in Las Vegas. So we thought, well, you know, we're going to sell these the Kings – Let's do the next best thing. We'll go to the NHL and see Gary Bettman. So we made an appointment that same day that we that we met with the NBA owners. We went and met with Gary and uh, all of his group and said, "We, you really need to look at Las Vegas as a potential city." Well, you guys don't have an arena and et cetera, et cetera. And I said, "Well, they'll they'll build one." I know how this city is. <laughs> it's it's incredible how fast things move here in this city. So he, he said, well, go back and we'll, and, and you know, he, he shook his head like that. And he said, go back. And so Gavin and I flew back to Las Vegas. And then we, we were, uh, we had an attorney that knew Bill Foley in Jacksonville, Florida. So we said, well, you know, let's go see Foley and see if he'd be interested in, in hockey. Or, or we, originally we were looking at football, but that was out of our league. So we thought, you know, I mean, <laughs> that's out of almost everybody's yeah, I mean, league, Joe. Now you need 10 guys to, to be able to buy a team. Those franchises are magnificent. Oh, now you're turning this into the Josh yeah. Harris episode. <laughs> but um, so anyway, we, 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 we came back. We went, we flew to Florida. We met with Foley and we all discussed it. And then all of us as a group went and we started. It was about a three and a half year process. 
we were involved with the MGM in developing the arena and where it was going to go. And so we met with their people for over a year and a half, two years, and then, of course, with the NHL throughout the process. And uh, it was, we knew it right, right from the start, it's been magnificent. It's not a tremendous success story. So that's how it are, ended. Are you surprised? Three years, you know, we got the sponsorship. We went out. Bettman said, you got to sell a certain amount of season tickets. We went out and sold the season tickets. Still didn't know the price of the franchise. I thought the price would be around two fifty. It got up. It got up Whoops. to five hundred million, which was big back then. That that was uh, ten years ago now. So anyway, that's the story. And then we got the franchise, and it's been great. To put that number in context, Joe, five hundred million is what the new MLS team just paid uh, for San San Diego. The expansion fee there, just to show how different that number is now versus what it was a decade yeah, you ago. You know, there's no greater investment than a sports franchise. And now what's happened the last, I, since we sold our team, we got the most for an NBA team in the history, that type of thing. But, but everyone had been valuing it down here, even Forbes, they had the wrong valuation. They didn't know how powerful these teams are. There's only a certain amount of finite amount in the whole world. <laughs> So you got to, if you have an opportunity, be involved, be involved, because that franchise is going to appreciate. All right, hold on. J- Joe, I want to see you smile widely. All right, you ready for this one? Right, I can I can do it simply by teeing it up that way, but I want to see the wide smile. You ready for this? The The Ottawa Senators are going to sell for a billion dollars, yeah. Joe. Well, you know, now with streaming and everything, it's the only thing that you can see live on television and and. You know, be have it be unexposed where it hasn't been seen before. So it's huge. The values are going to continue to go up. Our our values skyrocketed. Um, you know, I I would I don't know what the nights are worth now, but they got to be north of a billion. Oh, for we sure. We have them at nine seventy five. Well, but I assume good. if the if the senators are going to sell for a billion, yeah. the, the knights would sell for for certainly more. It's than a recalibration. That. Yeah, Sarver, it's a recalibration of the entire Sarver market. Got in Phoenix. Four billion. I mean, wow. I re- I remember when Jerry Colangelo had him, and he sold it for like four hundred million. Are you like me? Uh, and my wife hates this, but I'll play the what if game. Do you go back and play the what if game? What if we'd held? What if we didn't <laughs> sell? Course, what yeah, if? Yeah, all the time. As a matter of fact, <laughs> you know, you, you look back and, but you know. One thing I finally started to learn is that you got to move forward. It took me a while. It stung for a while. I, it really did me. I took it probably worse than anybody. Gavin was pretty. But then, you know, you have to move on with life, and there's other things. And that's we focused, and we're doing really well now, and we're, we're, we're really happy. Things are All right, So give, give me a glimpse at the business of the Knights. You have an arena. Uh, you have a great live event feel. I don't think enough sports teams do enough to discern that in arena experience. I have been to a Knights game and and it is different. Um, you, you really ratchet up the entertainment value uh, of it all. Just give us a look behind the curtain on, onto the business side of the Knights and how things are going. Well, first, every game sold out. Completely sell out every game. All the playoff games have sold out. And tickets going for crazy prices now on the other open market, but 
Uh, all this game sold out. The concessionaires are thrilled. All the people that are involved with the team, the different, you know, the, the different franchises that, that jumped on board right away, they're all excited about it. The whole city is enamored with the team. It's just been, it's been one big love affair since the beginning, and they've really supported this team. We had a couple bumps in the road, and they, they were right there, solid as a rock. So behind the scenes, great on the concessions, sold out every every night. It just, uh, I would say, a golden star for the NHL on how a franchise should be run. Bill Foley, he's done a tremendous job, and the people that he has working for him. So it's just been great so far, everything, knock on wood. <laughs> Everybody around the NHL talks about the Vegas game experience, the blue man group, the who's singing the anthem, the parade leading into the games. How much of that is the city? The fact that you're in Vegas, the entertainment capital of, of, of the country. And how much of that is, is this ownership group and you guys recognizing that that needed to be a priority for the franchise? Well, throughout my life, we've had two, we're the only family in, in the United States to ever have two NBA franchises. We had the Rockets, my dad, and they went to the NBA finals against the Celtics. We ran to an, into a guy named Larry Bird. And then, you know, with our ownership of the Kings. So I know one thing, if you don't take care of the fan, the most important person in the world, you're dead. They'll leave like that. And they have a right to leave because the most out of the whole equation, the most important is the is the customer that fan and if you if you can do things that other teams don't do to make that fan a little more excited about your team you you know you're going to have you're going to build a f phenomenal base which which we have here in town we've got little hockey you know hockey teams women's and men girls and boys hockey teams it's you, can, you can't get any ice time here we've built two um, uh, practice facilities with with ice and those are full up completely sold out so it's been great we're chatting with joe maloof investor in the vegas golden knights and joe you know my job here that's to get you in trouble and i i, I love you know i relish that opportunity better game experience and keep in mind i was there in the heyday with you sitting in those very same seats arco arena shack kobe against vlade and weber and and a playoff game or Vegas Golden Knights Stanley Cup Finals? What's a better game experience? Well, I don't know. It's, that's a hard <laughs> one, man. But, but, you know, I, I got to say one thing. When we owned that team, the Kings, we ran into Kobe and Shaq at their prime. And we had a great team. And I used to ask, I used to ask our GM, I don't know, I get off track sometimes, but I used to ask our GM, That's Jeff right. Petrie, I used to ask him, would you rather have one superstar or three great players on your team? You know, I, he said one superstar. They had two, and they had two that were in their yeah. prime. We got close, but didn't quite do it. It's close. Yeah, you got, you got really close. Speaking of just getting close, tell me about sort of Vegas, the transformation of Vegas as a town. The one reason I was never convinced that sports would succeed in Vegas all those years ago is I just didn't think like the most powerful lobby out there that the casino lobby, they wanted everybody to stay in their buildings, yeah. right? It was always, no, they don't want anything that would take customers away 
from the casino. That was viewed as bad, but it changed. It, it, it all changed. It was. I think it's become now just whatever brings people to Vegas is good for everybody. How did that change occur? How, when did you see it happening? And, and how about that lobby, uh, the importance of having the casino lobby on your side? Well, there were, there were, there were the people like Steve Wynn that saw it and MGM saw it. They saw the future. My brother Gavin, for 10 years, he said, you know, that city needs their own team. And, and I would I would I would think the way you did. You know, I was a, I was somebody that didn't really have that belief in it because I thought it was, the, you know, the casinos would want their customers to stay in the inside and gamble. But that's all nonsense now. What it does, it puts Las Vegas as a major city. Now they're in the same top, you know, Phoenix, uh, Philadelphia, New York, L.A. We have our own teams here now. We got two of them, probably another one coming, maybe another two coming. So it's magnified the city. And what the city means is that uh, it's not just a gaming or a gambling town. It's a it's an entertainment town that is a sports town now. The great we're, we're getting the, the Formula One here. That's coming in November. That's bigger than this. You know, I hate to say it, but it's like five or six times bigger than the Super Bowl. It's the biggest event in the world because you get all those countries, Italy, France, et cetera, Mexico, you know. And so um, just it's meant so much to the city to get sports here. And what happened is these casino owners started to realize, hey, we went through some tough times. You know, when we had the palms, there were some tough times there. You know, you know, the entire economy was was down here in Las Vegas. So I think they needed something to to give the city a little drive and, you know, get all the people, the locals excited about something. And that's when they started to turn a little bit. These, And then we went and saw the governor, myself and Gavin and Bill Foley, went and saw the governor. We saw the mayor. Did all the saw all the politicians when when we were going to bring the knights here to Las Vegas? Joe, is is there a saturation point? I mean, we have the knights, we have the Raiders, we have F one. The the Oakland A's may be coming. I know the NBA is looking at Vegas as well. At what point is there is there too many? Yeah, or does that, that not that, happen? You're right. You're right. That could happen very easily because this city's still only two and a half million. I mean, it's growing and it's, but it's not, it's two and a half, three million people. Phoenix is eight. So you have to be careful there. And there are the NBA. If you look at the NBA, I'm sure they'll, they'll come someday. I can't speak for them, of course, but I know one thing that they do tremendous with the summer league here. They sell out every game. They sell out. I mean, people from all over the country are starting to come here for the summer league and you know, when, when would you think that would happen? It's just, so it's a vibrant city. It's a magnificent city. It's really part of LA almost. If you look at it, we're in their backyard. It's so that's hard to say, but I, I don't think you, you have to be careful. This is enough. The baseball comes. I think it's enough for a while because when they come, they're going to take a lot of sponsorships and season tickets and, I think the city can support it, I'm, and I'm in favor of it. But, you know, now you have three major franchises, the Raiders, of course. They've done great. Mark Davis done a great job. Spectacular. The best best stadium in, in NFL is right here, Vegas. I'm not bragging. It's just the facts. He did a great job. 
To your point, Joe, about about the NBA, if you had asked me a decade ago, who's the first league to play in Vegas, the NBA would have been, the, in my opinion, the obvious choice. Now it looks like it may be the last major of the big four U.S. leagues to have a team in Vegas. Does that surprise you that all of this came to Vegas and the NBA actually wasn't a part of it fully? Well, you know, like I said, they've done so well with the summer league. I mean, they, they do really well there. And I don't know. I don't know how Stern felt. I, I used to get mixed messages from him. Sometimes he- I can tell you, Joe, I can tell you, right? I, I told this story to somebody this morning, as a matter of fact. David once said to me when we were talking about all the gambling, and he said, this is not about morals. Like, I know everybody thinks it's about morals. David looked at me and he said, Scott, do you know when we're going to get into gambling? When there's enough money at stake for us to get into gambling. That was flat. That was David's comment. And he just looked at me with like a little chuckle. And he was a man of his word because that's exactly, yeah, exactly. what it's happened. Yes, Darren, he was something else. He used to give me mixed signals though, all the time, you know. But I, th- I think, I think the, um, I think Adam realizes, you know, to make sure that uh, whatever team comes in next, that the city can support it. You know, they're not going to come in here and where they have to compete for the, for the dollar because it's too it's hard, too hard to do. You have too many ups and downs uh, throughout an ownership period. You have a lot of ups and a lot of downs as well. So the teams, you know, sometimes they're hot one, one year, two years, and then they fall off. Yeah, like you said, you need to, if you cater to the customer, and what does that mean? It's easy to say, but what does catering to the customer mean to you? And I did it a million times, you can check it. And it's not bragging, it's just how I was brought up. My father, you know, two things, take care of your employees and take care of your customers. Very simple, but it works. And and we have been successful in business throughout the years. And, And what I used to do, if there was an angry fan I'd go. I'd. I'd. I'd go down, meet him. I'd walk him to the team store. I'd get him a jersey, things like that. I mean, I would. If someone asked me where this particular concession was, I would walk the guy, the walk the gentleman or the lady to the concession stand. I would do whatever it took. We. I would return all my phone calls. I used to get a lot of phone calls. I made sure I returned every call before sunset. The little things, and you know, we we would have. Um, season ticket of meetings like all the other teams do we don't we didn't do anything special we just made sure that if you were a season ticket holder of the kings you were like a god that's how we treated them as best we could now you know we raised ticket prices stuff like that you know but for the most part we respected every season ticket holder that's how you do it there's no you can't sit up like in the old days though all the owners used to sit up in those suites you know, away from the court. They got to get down on the court with the fans, with the customers, so you can feel the the the, the game. You, you get a feel of the game right there, being down on the floor rather than up in the suite. I wrote a column years ago, and I didn't mean this literally, but I wrote a column that said after talking to uh, Bob Kraft before one of his Super Bowls. And I asked him, hey, Bob, you were a season ticket holder. Do you remember your location? And he said, section this, row this, seat this. He's like, I remember when those benches were so cold in the winter months, your tush would freeze. So I loved, I mean, he, but he knew what it meant to be a season ticket holder. I was, I I tongue in cheek, but you'll understand what I mean when I say 
that a prerequisite to owning a team should be you had to be a season ticket holder so you know about driving in and traffic and you can't get out of a stadium and the concessions are no good and the bathroom line is too long. You have to really yes, understand absolutely. it. You have, you have to know it from A to Z. you got to know every step to take to take care of that customer. You know, you can't satisfy all of them. You, you try, though, but you try. And if you have one... I'll tell you, a dissatisfied customer will do more to hurt you than a satisfied customer will do to help you. If they're, you know, upset with you or whatever the word it pissed at you, you better take care of him or you better find out what it is or he's going to tell this guy and, you know, it's going to spread pretty quickly. And that's the old fashioned way. Now on, with social media, you're dead if you don't take care of somebody. This extends, obviously, to fans when they're at, at home as well, Joe. The next year, the Golden Knights will be, I think, the first NHL team to have their games broadcast locally on free TV as opposed to on an RSN. Less money, obviously, but but more reach and, and, and a happier fan. I assume that's part of what you're talking about, too. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure Foley realizes there's going to be a lot of competition here now. With, you know, with the Raiders, we're at, we're, we love them here, though. You know, I'm so excited to be a Raider. I'm a Raider fan. We love the Raiders, but, you know, there's going to be competition. And if the NBA comes, or uh, I'm sure Major League Baseball is probably going to come. The A's, we welcome them here uh, with open arms. That's how they are in this city. But, uh, you know, he realized you're going to have to have competition. He's going to have some competition, so he's got to do whatever he can to try to keep the fans uh, behind this team, which they are right now. But you know, I thought you guys were in trouble that you went to the Stanley Cup Finals in your first year. That's a really difficult standard to set in year one because there's really, I mean, such a letdown if you don't make the playoffs or if you don't win the next year. But you have found, and I think because it was so early, maybe it was a blessing. You've established sort of an excellence, and and the fans were there. They really got excited. Well, in year I, have to, I have to. You have to give Gary Bettman all the credit for that because he's very smart when we when we went into Las Vegas because. The number of players that a team could hold back, they increase that. I mean, they uh, they decrease they increase that. Increased they decreased it. it, yeah. So that allowed us to get one of the best goalies in the world, and et cetera, et cetera. I'm not good with the hockey players' names yet. I, I try to be. I'm not. I'm not too good. So uh, I'm an old basketball guy, but I I love the NHL. <laughs> I think Bettman's. This NHL is just on the verge of going through the really, really exploding. He's done it. Yeah, because why Why are you so confident? And you said the values of the teams are just going to keep going up. You see no danger? There's a little danger. You, you never say never. There's a little danger. You know, it depends on what these streaming, it, it, it depends on what uh, televised sports looks like in the future. It's gonna is it gonna be streamed? Is it gonna be on free television, cable, etc.? And so, you can only well the old thought was you're only gonna get so much out of these networks, but these networks are paying it. They're paying exorbitant prices, which which is great for the leagues and great for the teams. So, if that slows down, then you might have a little problem. But. But like I said, there's only, what, 32 NFL teams in the whole world. These things are like gold. They're better than any land you can pick out, pick any real estate project. There's nothing like an NFL team. Really, come on. It's, it's like a priceless Picasso. 
you can't get them. So what's going to happen? The value is going to go up. Now, there's less and less people that can afford them individually. You're going to have to have conglomerates and groups of people maybe. Or I don't know if it'll ever get, you know, be sold to corporations, but who knows? Who knows? You know, I'm an NHL fan. So uh, you, you tell me you're happy with where things are. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of if, if somebody touches the NHL, if they go to a game, oh, they yeah. become a fan. But you still need to reach the size of the audience for hockey is not the size of, of the NBA, is not the size of the NFL. And I know Gary gets mad. I'm not comparing the NHL to the NFL. You can have a wonderful business. You don't have to be the, the NFL. But you are always, you as an owner, a league commissioner, you are always looking to grow your fan base. How do you grow the NHL? Well, number fan base? one, look at Seattle. Jesus, look what's happened there. That's a that was a boy there that was he's very smart, Batman, to go into Seattle. Very great idea. So now you got Vegas and Seattle, two two markets that are growth markets that are excellent. You'll grow your base there, but you know how are you going to compete with the NFL? It's you can't really. But you know you don't. You could do all the things in the world, but I I don't see it, man. I don't see it. Uh, the NFL is the most powerful league in the world. You know, it, it just there's uh, nothing like it. It's part of America. America. Everybody loves it. Everybody watches it, and they put on a hell of a product. I love it. I love the NFL. We're recording this before Game Two of the Stanley Cup Finals, but Vegas won Game One. Three games away from the first championship in the Vegas pro sports era. I have high expectations for that parade if it does happen. I don't want to put the cart before the horse, but but how big a deal will that be given the just the the, the celebration and party culture of Vegas as it is uh, adding on to the championship? I'd say the biggest thing that ever happened to the city. Over now. No, nothing bigger. I, I don't see anything bigger. You know, the, the Aces, they won the WNBA, which was great. The city really supports them. They've done a hell of a job. They get good attendance. Uh, but but nothing. And they've got a great re- the great real estate play yeah, in the new facility. <laughs> That's Mark Davis. He's done great with them. But uh, I'd have to uh, – I'm trying to think what would be bigger. You know, this – this Formula One's going to be huge, but nothing like like this because this is the this is their team, they own it. It's it's not the Rangers or it's not another team that they, they, they bought Bruins that they've rooted for all their lives because there's nothing else to root for. But they 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 took possession of this team, and uh, they're rabid rabid fans. And I think basically they used to say that. Uh, that each NHL city had maybe 20,000 rabid fans, and that was about it. But I don't see that here. I see it as hundreds of thousands of fans that really love this team. I, I do. I don't see it as just a niche amount of fans. It's, it's, it's widespread here. Spent all over the state, Nevada. Did you get caught napping, Joe? How, how does Mark Davis reel in Tom Brady as an LP? <laughs> Come on. Okay. Who are you looking at? Who else can you bring into the Knights franchise that helps out? Anybody you targeting? No, I think they've done a good job, man. I mean, you got to give all the credit to, to to Foley, but I give a little bit to me and Gavin, Gavin and myself because, you know, we, we're the founding partners. We went, we started this whole thing. 
we went to the NHL and everybody said, oh, no one will ever put a team in Vegas because of the gambling. But look what's happened since since we made our trip to to to, to see Bettman. And you got to give Bettman credit. He took the step. He's the first guy. He had some some guts to do that. All right, let's close with this, though. If the if the prices are escalating the way they are, and again, if the Ottawa Senators sell for a billion, sheesh, who knows what your stake is worth, and you do have that love and you said of passion for the NBA, uh, any desire for the family to get back into basketball? That would be a dream come true. I love the NBA. We, we had two franchises. My dad had one. You know, we have a great history with the NBA. Uh, you know, maybe someday, who knows? It could happen. All right. My, by the way, my favorite story about your dad, and, and I think my father, who, as you know, was in the military, is the same way when you guys were working in the factory. You started at the bottom, and I, and I think that's a big reason for why you guys are the way you are. You had to sweep the factory. You had to drive the trucks. You had to know what a good day's order was. It wasn't like, oh, meet, meet the senior vice president, my son. You didn't just start in the no, executive no, suite. we started sweeping the floors in the warehouse, loaded trucks, worked on beer trucks. Incidentally, that uh, that Bud Light uh, uh, thing is really something else. I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen a boycott like that on any product. It's, it blew my mind. I don't know how, how it's doing in the stadiums or arenas. I don't know how it is, but that was something else to see. Well, you have to be concerned about that, though, as a professional sports team owner. I mean, I, I look around. The Dodgers just got, you know, they just stepped in it in their pride night or how do you stay clear? I mean, do you even, do you think about that? How do you stay clear of this controversy? You just, just, uh, you're there to please the fans, to entertain the fans. That's it. You don't need to be political. Just can't do it. You, 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 you you get too many fans mad at you. You need those fans. You need, you, you can't take a stand one. You just got to stay neutral. You can't, can't take stands like that. I don't think, I don't know, but maybe I'd, I can't speak for the Knights, obviously, but I would, I would stay. I wouldn't get political with it. What beer are you pouring at at, uh, at T-Mobile? Coors. Coors. Well, and you were you had the Coors Light. Distri- you yeah. were the Coors distributor yeah. down in the yeah. Southwest. Yeah, Coors for years. All right. That- <laughs> yep, makes sense. All right. When, well, my son is fourteen, draft eligible in four and a half years. So well, you know, when you need change. a goal leader, God damn, you look great. I didn't know you up too well, well, but you look great. Thank he, you. He looks terrible. He looked much better five, ten years ago. He looks terrible now, but you don't know that. Yeah, thank you for that call. You too, Joe. I appreciate it. I don't have the stress of winning and losing yeah, games. Well, That's thanks why. for having me. I appreciate it. You got it. Thank you, Joe, and good luck in, in the Stanley Cup Finals. Thank you, guys. All right, Eben. I, I love Joe. I love Gavin. I love the family. Um, I've dealt with them for, oh, I, I, I really, 25, 30 years um, going back to early Kings and then the Palms and sort of they're in and out of the NBA. And I, and I know how much he loves basketball and you can tell from him, it really oh, yeah. killed him oh, yeah. to, to sell the Kings. Uh, I would expect him if the NBA goes to Vegas, I would expect the Maloofs to find a way to get, they won't be the majority owners, but they're going to find a way to be involved. And before we chatted with Joe, cause I don't think you would chat him with him yet. You said, I what's not, he like? Yeah. yeah. And, and what was the word I used? He's very uh, folksy. Folksy, yeah, yeah. He's folksy. Is did you find hundred percent when he says that every owner should go to the Joe Maloof School of Ownership? 
cater to the customer. It's easy to say he means it. I have seen him in action help somebody to the bathroom, show them. You heard me. I mean, I didn't learn it from him, but I, I always appreciated that it was that way. I tell everybody when they come to our live events, if somebody says, where's the bathroom? Don't point. Show them. Yep. Walk them over. Uh, it, it, the kind of customer service that he preaches, it is not a surprise that people have a great time at the building. Two other things jumped out to me. One, the fact that th literally the same day that they sold the Kings, yeah. they were meeting yep. with Gary Bettman about bringing an NHL team to to Las Vegas. I did not realize that those things happened that close in proximity, at least the genesis of the Golden Knights. And then secondly, uh, for someone who has been so tied to Las Vegas and its business and event culture for so long, to say that a Golden Knights uh, championship could possibly be the biggest thing, biggest event that's happened uh, ever in Las Vegas, uh, I think is, uh, is, is really surprising as well. But overall, a really interesting interview, Scott, and a really great perspective. You got it. All right. He is Eben Novi Williams on the Twitter at Novi underscore Williams. I'm Scott Soshnick on Twitter at Soshnick. Our producer is Matt Whitehurst. Thank you very much, Matt. Digital media editor is Cora Veldman. She loves it when I remind you that the show can be found at Sportacast, which is the hub of the Sportico Media Network.